Welcome to In the Dark, everybody. Um, I'm going to need some theme music here. I've been thinking about how to add some theme music. I was looking at the Billy Squire song, In the Dark. I love, I thought about using some of that. I just don't want to use like a hard rock type, not that it's real hard rock, but you know, uh, type of music that might be irritating, but um, pretty soon here I'm going to add some theme music. As promised, I am going to get into some stories first, and then I'm going to continue on <clears throat> with the governmental stuff. <laughs> That's all I can really say. Doctor of Kinesiology practice um, has some stories that they encountered. Um, one of them is a miner that sees reptilian eyes in a tunnel. They write, this story was told to me by an Australian miner who is a friend of mine. I will call him William. I have known William for over 10 years. He doesn't exaggerate and he is an expert miner. A few years ago, it occurred to me to ask him if he had ever seen any reptilians. This person that does um, this kinesiology practice is a firm believer in UFOs and reptiles because they've actually encountered them themselves themselves. So I explained to him what they were. He told me the following story, which I'm quite sure is true after having my own encounters personally. He was visiting a big old copper mine southwest of Bathurst, NSW, Australia. The mine was over a hundred years old with lots of shafts leading off from it. William has similar qualities to like a crocodile Dundee type character and does things that other people would never consider doing. He wanted to see in the mine to see if it was still worth mining. Even though he didn't have a flashlight with him, he lowered himself on a rope and went east along a mine shaft for about 200 yards. He felt along the wall and was getting used to the lack of light. There was a little light coming in. Suddenly, eight feet to the right of him, he saw a pair of big, grayish-green eyes about six inches apart. They were round. He did not notice what kind of pupils they had. The eyes blinked. William watched for about one minute, deciding what was best to be done. Then he slowly backed out. Yeah, I would say that's definitely best. Another story, child is left outside of the house after an abduction. A woman in her 40s in Australia had continual lower back pain. Also, she hardly ever slept. She just dozed a lot of the time. She was one of the most blocked clients I had ever had. I could hardly muscle test her at all. No matter what I did, muscle testing indicated that her problems were related to alien abduction and started in a particular year. For those of you, I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with muscle testing. I've actually had it done. Um, it's really odd how they can do some of this stuff. Like there's, there's this stuff called neat treatments that they do on your spine. It's so quick. They just tap in certain areas of your spine and you have to hold something that you're allergic to. I was doing these for my allergies and you would swear this stuff, there's no way it could work. And for whatever reason, when I was doing these treatments, my allergies got better than ever. 
a lot of times when you hear me talking, my nose sounds a little stuffy and I sound a little nasally. Um, that's just my allergies, guys. Just bear with me because I, I just, I can't, I can't control it. It just, and especially when I talk a lot, which I'm not really a big talker. So when I do talk, um, I don't know if my body's really used to me, you know, doing a lot of talking because I'm actually pretty quiet around the house and stuff, unless I'm with customers. But for some, whatever reason, when I'm talking a lot, my nose gets really stuffed up. So my voice is not usually this nasally, but it's just, it's like I said, it's my allergies, but that neat treatment stuff, it really, really works. And this muscle testing, when you go in to get this stuff done, it sounds nuts. Like it sounds ludicrous, but they can, they can really tell by these different, you hold these vials of things, or there's other stuff that you do too, but they actually test how weak, it's like a number of how you respond strength-wise to certain things. It's really crazy, but it's, you know, we are spiritual entities. We're not, you know, we're not just physical and there's a lot going on in the spiritual realm and this kind of stuff, like they're tapping into healings and, you know, holistic type of medical stuff that's really, there's, it's, there's something to it. Um, so the, the muscle testing indicated that her problems were related to alien abduction. And now I don't know how they would test for alien, alien abduction, but somehow they found a way and started in a particular year. When I told the woman about this, she then informed me that that was the same year when her daughter started what the woman thought was sleepwalking. The woman found her daughter, who was only a few few years old, outside the house around 2 a.m. when it was freezing cold. The trouble was the daughter was too short to reach the door handle. There were other incidences when the child turned up on high ledges. It's bad enough when aliens abduct children. The least they could do is return them to their beds. That's their last comment. Um, there's another story. They labeled it nice aliens turn up at conference. This story was told to me by a, by a physicist who I am sure was totally telling the truth. I will call him Charles. Charles got what he felt was an information download in his mind one day, and after that felt that he was meant to give a seminar to others to disperse this information. He gave a seminar in California that a number of people turned up for. At the last minute, a family consisting of man, woman, and young boy, about 12 years old, turned up in a beat-up old Volkswagen Beetle. At one time, Charles was explaining how one could travel at speeds above the speed of sound without creating a whole lot of noise. The young boy asked Charles to repeat the explanation. Charles did so, but the boy still looked confused. Charles felt he could not repeat the explanation again and proceeded with the rest of the lecture. The young boy turned to his mother and said, That's not how we do it in our ship, on our ship, is it, mother? She said in a low tone of voice, Shh, be quiet. A friend of Charles was sitting behind the family. Later, Charles's friend talked to the mother. She must have approved of him or something must have happened that opened his ability 
to see, to truly see, because she then lowered her shields, so to speak, from the top of her head to around her mouth. He was able to see that in reality, she appeared as an insectoid, like a praying mantis with antenna. And a note, this does not mean that all insectoids are nice ones like these were. And they may not have been nice. They might have just been curious. A number of people at the seminar commented on the fact that the strange thing about the family was that they had perfect features. Our faces are not perfectly symmetrical. If one side of a face was a mirror image of the other, then the face would look strange to us. And that's the end of that story. Another one, aliens ruin a man's eye. I was doing kinesiology on a man in his 30s. His left pupil was a lot larger than his right pupil. He was greatly lacking in energy, struggled to get up in the morning. He had pain in the neck in other places. When the problem of his eyes was addressed, the cause came up as an emotion called no choice. This was at seven years old. Muscle testing indicated that this was caused by abduction once again. When we, we ran through the incident, he came to remember lying on a table while the beings working on him pulled his eye out and laid it beside his head on the table. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job of putting it back. Perhaps the strangest part of this incident was that the man didn't mind what the aliens had done. Only his body objected. Note, when this man was put on the clearing biofeedback meter, he had a very low tone arm, low tone arm. This meant that his body had an extra low resistance. Although he looked like he had his act together spiritually, this man was in overwhelm and had given up the fight. This accounted for his lack of anger at what the aliens had done to him. He was not able to fight them and just accepted whatever came his way. People are all different. Everybody handles things differently. I would be trying to kick their butts. Uh, insectoids interfere with the ability to sleep. I was doing kinesiology on a woman in her 50s. I had done a lot of sessions on her, but had not been able to help her to have a better night's sleep. When she went to bed, her mind would begin to race. She could take hours to get to sleep, even when she was tired. However, I finally did a kinesiology balance with her eyes shut. Her cloacals, the most important electrical system in the body, known on, only by kinesiologists, went out of balance once her eyes were shut. I corrected them. The correction should have held at least until her body was affected by serious stress, but they were out of balance again the next day. Muscle testing indicated that the cause for the its cloacals or clo cloacals going out of balance was an emotion called trapped at eight years old when she was in New Zealand. Muscle testing indicated that she had been abducted. Muscle testing indicated that the species involved were insectoids. You know, it's bad enough that um, people are abducted by these ugly greys. Now we've got like insected, insect, insect looking beings um, abducting people, not to mention the um, uh, reptilians. Some of this stuff. These are some ugly creatures, let me tell you. My God, between the smell and just the 
the hideousness of them. It's, it's insanity. It's hard to under, understand how, you know, the demons and the devil, how they took on these forms of such hideousness and that they just don't seem to have a problem with it. Like, it's like, how do you go from being so beautiful to just being surrounded by all these hideous creatures? It's, it's pretty whack. When looking for Warnick's commands from this incident, 10 came up. You must forget all this. This isn't real. You don't know any of this. You won't remember any of this. We don't exist. This is all in your mind. This is just a dream. You are going to sleep. None of this is real. This never happened. So these are the commands that this person had been instilled with. When I followed up with her a month later, she reported that she was then able to get a good night's sleep every night. So that was good. The weirdest alien story of all. This was told to me by a store owner in Arizona when we lived there. I feel sure he was telling the truth. I call I will call him George. One day a man came into the store who looked rather uncomfortable in his body. He walked very stiffly. He was unable to turn his head from left to right. He had to turn his whole body to see what was beside him. When he got back into his car, it was kind of a struggle, as his whole body was like a board. George had a clear view of him and watched to see how he would get out of the parking spot, because he had to back out of where he was. The man had parked directly in front of the store, which was directly in front of the shop. Few people will believe what George saw next. The man turned his head to the left, but was not able to turn it as far as we needed to see behind us to back out. Then the man's eye moved around his face to the back of his head. Then he backed out and drove away. Wow. 24 hours of missing time. A woman in her 30s came to me for kinesiology for a kinesiology session in Australia. She came to a to I'm sorry. She came to heal a leg which was still weak and had a lump in it from a car accident. Muscle testing soon indicated that the cause was largely emotional. After testing a list of emotions, her body indicated the emotions were the kind that could have come from an alien abduction or abductions, the no choice kind. Muscle testing then indicated that the cause was, in fact, alien abduction. When I told the woman this, she told me that she thought that she had been abducted, so she was easier to work with. She quickly remembered a particular incident in her life. She and a boyfriend drove on a motorcycle from NSW to Queensland. They went along 300 miles of road, which they were warned against taking by the locals, but not given the reason as to why, called the Mulga Stretch. They had 24 hours of missing time on this road. They knew this because they left to go to a New Year's party, and when they got there, they had missed the party. In addition, they were both full of incredible anger. They had a fight with each other and parted company forever. When I removed her 
Warnick's commands against remembering and took her back to the incident she remembered what happened. Part of the way there, on the Mulga stretch, they felt tired and stopped and went to sleep on some sand. A ship came, men, robots, question mark, in dark coverings came out and carried them inside. Then she was put on a table. While there, she was attended to by aliens. When I asked what species they were, she said that they looked like praying mantis. Wow, this is just whack. Interestingly, she said that she had Russian and Polish parents and unusual blood. She had never been immunized. When she was given a TB immunization in the hospital, she received it four times because she showed no reaction. <clears throat> this was most unusual and was also over the medical limit as to how many immunizations are allowed to be given at one time. Oh, so they just did it anyway, of course. Her blood showed an extra component and had four times the number of things that stop uh, blood cells from sticking together. I don't have the name for this. Interestingly, at least three of the men in her life had CIA connections. Yep, interesting. Which means, sounds like they came back to get one of their own to check on her. Be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. A man in his 40s in Australia that I know put out the thought that he would like to meet some aliens, but he forgot to be specific. He forgot to add that he wanted to meet aliens that wanted to help him, that wanted only the very best for him and everyone, and that were full of love and connected to God. What he got was abducted, and it was a very unpleasant experience that he took that took him a while to recover from. That's it for those. That was just one um, doctor's encounters. I'm going to read one more encounter today. Reptilian encounter. The story I'm about to tell you is a true one. It happened to me in the early 1980s, long before anyone talked about reptilians in public, at least what I know of. This is the first time I broadly publish my own experience out there into the world for anybody to know about with something people would probably call a supernatural being. I have intended to tell this story a long time, but something has told me to wait. I now feel it is time. I can't remember the exact year this happened, but I know it was sometime in the early 80s, probably close to 1982. In this period of my life, I was partying quite a bit and drank more alcohol than was good for me. I mention this because it could have triggered what happened to me. For the record, I have to say I was absolutely sober at the moment of this incident and hadn't been drinking within the last few days. The reason I know this is because I remember I was rehearsing with my rock band pretty intensively, preparing for an important gig in the next coming week or so, which means I needed to keep focused. This particular night, I was lying in bed, trying to go to sleep. After a, a while, I floated into the stage between being awake and being asleep, where you are still aware of your environment, but are slowly entering dreamland. Suddenly, I felt how the room was getting icy cold 
and my hair stood right up on my neck and my arms. I remember opening my eyes and I was clearly awake in an instant. The room got even colder and I noticed I was totally paralyzed and couldn't move one single muscle in my body. I had a very eerie feeling in my stomach. That sixth sense we all have. Then out of nowhere, a horrible creature appeared in the opposite part of the room, close to the bedroom door. I was living alone in an apartment at the time. In retrospect, I can see that the creature looked something like how people would describe the reptilian race, thick, naked, with green, totally hairless, and extremely muscular with his spine sticking up underneath his skin, something I noticed when he was bending down, ready to attack. The reptilian race, that old dragon, Satan. I can't remember clearly what his nose and ears looked like, but I vaguely recall that he had pointy ears. I just knew he was a male, although I don't remember seeing any genitals. His eyes were ruby red and glowed viciously. I estimate his length to be about six and a half feet to seven feet, but his body bone structure was thicker and bigger than on a human. He had more teeth than we do from what I can recall, and they were very long, sharp, and pointy. His mouth was huge. I can't say whether he had a tail or not, because I never saw him from behind and no wings. This creature was definitely physical, at least after he had transformed into our reality." When this happened, I had no other way of describing him than as a demon, knowing nothing about reptilians at the time. The creature was staring at me for I don't know how long, but it feels like it was maybe half a minute while I still couldn't move or scream. He suddenly started growling, and before I knew it, he was over me in my bed, now furiously roaring. His big, ice-cold hands grabbed my neck, trying to strangle me. He was extremely strong and heavy, and one of his knees put an enormous weight on my chest. I recall I could feel his breath in on my face, but I can't remember how it smelled, probably because I was choking. Probably smelled like sulfur. I was thinking, my God, this is it. I am dead. I couldn't breathe at all due to him strangling me, and all the time he was roaring loudly and ferocious, furiously. I remember my next thought was, What's going to happen now? Where will this creature take me? To hell? I was horrified but couldn't do anything. Even if I wouldn't have been paralyzed, there was nothing I could do. This creature was much too strong for any human being to fight. His strength was probably at least ten times the strongest man on earth. The creepiest thing was that this reptilian-looking creature literally sucked out my life energy and swallowed it exactly in the same way as was shown in one of Spielberg's movies, when this evil little monster sucked the life energy out of a sleeping girl. I can't re remember the name of the movie, and I knew it was just a matter of seconds before I was going to pass out. That was weird, because I've often thought these missing persons cases where the people are found dead, and there's no apparent cause of death. They can't figure out why they died, and they just put a ruling of whatever out. They can, you know, just put something down on paper. I've always wondered if the um, they're abducted to suck out their soul or something. Like their life force, their soul, their energy, something is being robbed from these people. And they're, they're just 
cast aside, you know, as a shell. That's, that's some pretty crazy stuff, but, you know, in this world, at this point, anything's possible. I mentally prepared myself to die or worse. Then in a blink of an eye, I heard a long sweeping sound, swoosh. This is the only way I can describe it, and the creature disappeared into thin air. I was not paralyzed anymore, and I sat up in my bed, desperately catching my breath, coughing and choking. My heart was pounding like a hammer in my chest, and I could still feel the tightness around my neck and the pressure on my chest from his knee. I was sore days after this incident, but no bruises. The room was still ice cold, but slowly went back to normal room temperature. I can't remember if I went back to sleep that night or not. The rest of that night is a blur. I have never experienced anything like this ever since, and I have no idea what it was. I can only speculate. The creature was definitely reptilian in shape, but also looked like a demon to me at the same time. Was this a creature from another dimension or a classic demon? Or are these two basically the same thing? I don't know. I only know this was the creepiest experience in my life. And even now, when I think about it, it gives me chills. By drinking and partying, could I have been sensitive to pulling in those lower dimensions in my life? Or is it unrelated? Who knows? I was not in the occult at that moment either. That happened a few years after. Did my experience have anything to do with joining a secret society in 1985? Also, why didn't he kill me? And what did he do with the energy he sucked out? Why did he disappear just before I died? Was I protected somehow, which prevented him from taking me away? A lot of questions there, huh? I told my friends about the incident with the creature the day after it happened. They knew me well enough to understand I was not lying, but of course they had no idea what had happened to me either. Some may think I was dreaming the whole thing, but believe me, I was awake and fully aware of what was happening. This was not a dream. When I think about it years after the fact, I have this feeling I was protected by some higher force, maybe the God force. The reason I believe this is that I have been in a few very severe accidents in my life where it seemed like I was going to die. Then in the last second, something intervened and saved my life miraculously. Twice the interventions were even disobeying physical laws, and people who saw the whole thing freaked out and refused to discuss it with me afterwards. Although I am not a Christian and did not pray to Jesus, any God or higher force when the creature attacked me, I felt I got help from somewhere. I believe that we all have some kind of mission to fulfill here on earth, and it is our duty to try our best to accomplish whatever our personal mission may be. If we stay on task, I think we are protected at least to some degree. This is what it seems like to me. Good story. And I will add that I do believe that we are all given a purpose here. And I believe that these demons and the devil spend their entire, our entire lives disrupting and distracting us from ever even finding that purpose. That's why stay close to God, guys. I will be right back. And we are back. Okay. Um, Yesterday, I ended with Bush 
quoting, ex-president Bush quoting, what's the constitution? It's just a goddamn piece of paper. A lot of respect for the constitution. And these are the people we're voting into office to lead our country. Now, as a result of the Patriot Act, Ted Gunderson had written a letter to Attorney General Ashcroft. A long letter, but one paragraph from it reads, As a result of 9-11, we now have Homeland Security and the USA Patriot Act, the U.S. Department of Justice and Homeland Security, and who knows how many off-bed agencies who will be able to legally keep track of our credit cards, banking transactions, car rental receipts, gun purchases, passport applications, magazine subscriptions, medical subscriptions, academic grades, bank deposits, trips, anyone books, any kind of trips, rental car records, telephone records, events we attend, driver's licenses, toll bridge records, judicial and divorce records, interstate traffic complaints, I'm sorry, interstate and traffic records, complaints put in by neighbors to the FBI, like the nosy neighbors or really anybody on the street. It's been publicly, publicly announced that one in 10 of every American is expected to become an informant in some way to the U.S. government. The Pentagon has developed an urban surveillance system that can track, record, and analyze the movement of every vehicle in a foreign city. This is in a foreign city, guys. They can track every vehicle in a foreign city. Searches of our neighbors and our property without search warrants and random tappings of our phones and the seizure of our property will and is happening. Sentry devices have been installed in cars. So when we go over particular areas of bridges and highways, they keep records of where we are. What has happened since the beginning of the 2000s? Think about it. Cameras have now gone up. You're driving, you hit a light, and there's a camera. That's what's happened. And we've just let it. We've done nothing. Everything's being introduced slowly. It's a slow rate of adjustment for us. They don't ever, they don't just sweep in and bombard us with all these new laws and rules. It's a gradual trickling effect. And they have time because they're not mortal. They're patient and they're willing to put the time in and wait over the centuries and the decades and the years to gradually introduce this form of control. We're in trouble. Our country has been divided into 10 divisions with certain cities being chosen to be used as the capital. And this started back in the Nixon presidency way back then. Now the Franklin cover-up out of Omaha, Nebraska, which is where they were driving kids to cities 
putting them in private jets and flying them to D.C. for sex orgies with adult political leaders and other people, other wealthy, you know, leaders or just wealthy elites. You gotta understand, like, when you stop and you think about that, okay, you hear that. These are, these are thousands of children. Never met each other all across the world telling the same thing. You still believe they're lying? You still believe this is, cons this is conspiracy? That they're just all making this up? You know? For, for centuries, people talking about Bigfoot, dogmen, all across the world, never met each other. Same descriptions. They just making this up? Is it really conspiracy? Are you really going to sit and convince yourself that this is really not true? You're going to find some justification for it? John DeCamp was the person who wrote the Franklin cover-up. Tell you a little bit about John DeCamp. He was uh, born July 6, 1941. Died July 27, 2017. He was a controversial Republican politician from the state of Nebraska who served in the Nebraska legislature from 1971 to 1987. He served as an infantry officer in the United States Army during the Vietnam War. This is who wrote this book, who came out and told you this is what these people were doing. In 1975, he initiated Operation Baby Lift, which evacuated 2,800 orphaned Vietnam's, Vietnamese children in 1992, DeCamp wrote a massive market paperback book titled The Franklin Cover-Up, which involved child abuse, Satanism, and murder in Nebraska, in which he alleged the supposed existence of a Franklin child prostitution ring, which supposedly involved murder and Satanism. And, give me one second here. John DeCamp was also the first person that ever went against the Roman Catholic Church. He was the first person to sue them, and the case, of course, was thrown out of court. Got to protect each other. But this is who this is the person, the credentials of the person that wrote this true book, and. There are still people out there that will say, nah, never happened. He's just doing it for attention, apparently, as if he really needed it. The agenda there was to frame these people for this, these goings on with the Franklin cover-up book, you know, the, um, I'm sorry, the sex orgies and taking these kids off to private jets and all that stuff. The agenda there was to frame these people for ultimate control. Get them into the club, buddy-buddy, entice them, snare them in, and record them unknowingly, and then they own them. <clears throat> Rusty Nelson was the official photographer of this sex group. Gunderson spoke with him in person. Nelson was recruited out of Omaha, Nebraska. Could have even been coerced for all we know, but what is known about him is he used to go into gay bars and take pics of these married or so-called straight politicians and other famous or political politically connected people, and he was recruited out of there. 
He was actually a farm kid, never been in a jet or seen the bright lights. So it was particularly, particularly intriguing to him. So he agreed to do it. They would have meetings and afterwards they would go upstairs and they would refer to these little boys as toys. Think the word boy toy. Where did that come from? So every time you say the word boy toy, remember the origin, the origin of it came from these politicians and sick bastards that would take children, abduct them and take them to private rooms and have sex with them. It's pretty disgusting. For some reason, these pedophile perverts prefer little boys. Probably a more sickening and damaging control factor there, I would imagine. It's just, it, it's mind-blowing. Somebody seriously needs to... I wish we had a group of people that regulated this stuff. So, other cases came along after DeCamp had tried to sue the Catholic Church, of course, and that's all been in the news, most of it. There's a team called, I'm sorry, there's a term called conspiracy silence. This was originated with a team from Yorkshire, Yorkshire, England. Sorry, I can't talk. I get tongue twisted. My mouth gets dry. Yorkshire, England, who came over for the Franklin cover-up case with a crew. They were here for seven months. The show about this case was to be aired on the Discovery Channel on May 3rd, 1994. It was actually written up in the TV Guide Discovery Channel directory. Certain members of Congress found out about it, and they ordered all the copies to be destroyed. Someone brought up the rights, or I'm sorry, someone bought up the rights anonymously, and it never aired. Ted Gunderson had gone in. And he did some investigation and found it was listed in the TV log section. He got them and exposed them. Conspiracy Silence was the name. Based on Ted Gunderson's 30 years of experience and research, he determined there are thousands of victims who have been targeted by an illegal rogue United States government criminal enterprise, most likely military intelligence tied into CIA, FBI, and so forth that is active 24 hours a day throughout the United States. A network of victims who worked with Gunderson had reached the same conclusion based on one, their personal experiences, two, the significant number of victims, and three, the extent and intensity of the arrest and harassment. It is far too active and powerful to be operated and controlled by private enterprise. Private enterprise, the goal of private enterprise is typically to achieve financial gain. These operations require extensive financing to operate with no return on the investment. Why? If there's if there's no desire for financial gain, that basically takes everything out of the picture other than power, but there's too much going on for just power. I mean, it is power, but there's something else going on here. 
something much bigger. What could the end game be here then? You remove the desire for money. Still think this isn't something supernatural? What else could be left? These programs are financed through illegal black operations, i.e. drugs, prostitution, gambling, the kidnapping of children who are auctioned off as sex slaves, used as human sacrifices and body parts. Still think this isn't biblical, guys? Why the need for sacrificing then? By the world's most powerful, wealthiest, elite people. Who are they sacrificing to? Get the connection yet? This well-organized, sophisticated operation has a central command located somewhere in the United States with multiple satellite offices scattered throughout the country. This is based on 30 years of research by a retired head of FBI. It appears that any of those who administer the program can call for a telephone tap or any other activity or harassment at any time directed at a victim and immediately disperse manpower to the scene. That statement, think Bigfoot, Dogman Encounters. How many times have people put a call in for help? They're seeing something really crazy around their house, in the forest. You know, th these guys show up, black unmarked SUVs, get out, black fatigues, weapons they've really never seen before, some of them. One of the guys had... They got a call for a guy that saw a dog man and they went out there. These army guys showed up or they, he thought it was army special forces is what he called them. This guy was ex-military too. He'd never seen anything like this. They showed up and they had like a satellite antenna almost, you know, it's like the shape of those, those uh, things that dogs are put on by the vet, the little, you know, it's like an antenna and they turned this thing on, pointed this thing at his dog. This dog dropped, I mean, dropped and whimpered like he was in agonizing pain. The guy screamed at the guy. The guy could have cared less, was cocky, arrogant, disrespectful, just smirked, and, and he shut it off, and they went out to the woods, and he said they, they went out there, if they were out there for maybe 20 minutes, and apparently they were using this device, and they had these crazy guns on them, and they came back in, and they were carrying a body bag that he wasn't allowed to see. He wasn't allowed to get near him. They loaded the bag up. They took off and he never heard from him again. He went out later. Every single one of his memory cards was taken out of his. He had multiple, um, like the hunting cameras that you put up. And all the memory cards were, cards were removed. And he called them several times to get them back or to get replacement costs. Never heard from any of them. Couldn't even get a hold of them. They were contacted through his sheriff that knew him well like he was a friend. And his sheriff wouldn't even talk to him about it. Massive cover-up stuff going on. But these are the people. That's who they are. So they use these, these wild antennas. It was almost like a dog whistle. Think about it like a dog whistle. 
that is just absolutely the most potent sound that, you know, it would just drop a dogman to his knees. So they obviously are definitely part canine, that's for sure, or operate as a canine to some degree for them to actually be able to use that kind of a weapon against it, and it affects it, and it doesn't affect the humans around him. But think about it, though. You know, they're dispersing these these agents to these calls with people, you know, and they're not they're 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 turning against these people and then then they leave and they tell the guy he's never to discuss this case never to not tell anybody that if he does there's going to be big problems and for weeks after this he would he would see somebody sitting in their car just blatantly showing up at his property and sitting in an unmarked car and watching him following him around it was like a way of you know intimidating him or reminding him that they're there to carry out their threat. Other people have had their bank accounts drained, their credentials ruined, their reputations destroyed, jobs lost, over reporting a Bigfoot or a dogman sighting. Mainly those two. People report alien abductions and things like that, but for some reason, there's something that really hits home with these Bigfoot and dogman encounters when those are seen people really get threatened by this stuff or they did according to victor there's a slow disclose coming out to the public now but you never know and there's another um incident where a family was on a camping trip and they were attacked broad daylight in a state park and they had their camper they were hauling their camper they were in the truck in front the, the kids and the mom and dad their camper they were sitting there and their camper was getting broken into by what they saw to be a dog man. Never knew they existed. Couldn't believe what they were seeing. Was watching this being or entity break into their camper, walk into their camper, and start tossing some things out. Apparently it was looking for food. And it didn't give a crap that these people were up there in this in this truck. I mean, you know it knew they were up there, you know. It was looking for something, and they report it to the uh, forest rangers who then bring in these people who, to kind of sum it all up, they ended up taking their camper and their truck. The people had to get picked up by family. They were moving. It was like, it wasn't a camper. It was a, um, like a, like a U-Haul trailer, like that type of a thing. And they took all of their belongings, every single thing they owned, everything down to baby pictures, you know, things that they treasured the most in life that their kids had, you know, grown up with or given them. Everything was taken and they never got it back ever. They got a check in the mail for like $17,000. It didn't even close. To, it didn't even come close to re replacing what they lost. I mean, it barely replaced the truck. And they could never get a hold of anybody that had answers for them to even dispute it, fight it, any nothing. They could not get their stuff back. This is what's happening to people. It, this is what's happening. It's sickening. This program makes the old FBI program look like a Sunday school class. It is documented that the government, mainly military intelligence has the expertise 
finance, and manpower to effectively administer such a program. To understand why and how a black ops program or enterprise by this rogue element targets an individual, it's necessary to one, identify the individual, two, outline the reason the individual is targeted, and three, document and identify the weapons and tactics being directed against him or her. I'm going to wrap this up for now, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. I will continue on next, um, next time. I'm not sure what day yet. I'm going to be working a little bit for the next few days pretty intensely, I hope. But I will be talking to you soon. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day and evening or wherever you are in the world. Stay safe. You know, as safe as we can stay in these times. Say your prayers. Try to find God. Whether you believe or don't believe. At this point, he might be all we really have. God bless you guys. Take care.